0: all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks.
1: Just to let everybody know, it's 10 o'clock. It is time for Sima Lieberman, Everyday Conversations on Race with Everyday People. Thank you guys for tuning in. She is going to be here momentarily. We The, the bridge is an issue, I believe, for everyone. So all those Uber drivers coming in to make the money here in the city. Tomorrow is a day that you get to vote. Please go out and do that wherever you are in the country hey if you're in another country vote there too vote early vote often and uh, tell people how you want your government to be represented representational government here but today everyday conversations on race with everyday people every monday from 10 to noon here on mutinyradio.fm keep enjoying those commercials on The Breaker for other awesome Mutiny Radio shows and thanks for tuning in to MutinyRadio.fm. Everyday conversations on race with everyday people with Sima Lieberman. You guys are going to love it. Thanks for sticking around
2: right and then all the shows are listed alphabetically so you can just scroll down and you'll find Common Thread Collective. You can also get the Common Thread Collective and Women's Magazine for free on iTunes. Unfortunately, the only weird part is because there's so many comedy shows at this station, we're actually under the free comedy section.
1: amazing artist music dj vinyl enthusiast that is flat black plastic they have a fun time at Pam Tastics deep in the mission where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere ten dollars. And ten dollars I mean that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for <laughs> is in duty this. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. You laugh off your and Save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash conk, baby. <laughs> How exciting for you, Mutiny Radio listeners! There are six new shows here at MutinyRadio.fm. Monday nights at 10 o'clock, it's time for free phone sex, 415-550-0511, yes, call in for free phone sex, you will be recorded, it is a podcast, but will that phone sex be free, absolutely, 10 a.m., Mondays, it's time for Everyday Conversations on Race with Everyday People, with Sima Lieberman, Everyday People, talking about race every week. Different, everyday people. Talking about race. On Tuesdays, 10 o'clock, it's Spiritual Psychology with Renee McKenna. Meditate. It'll heal ya. Then, at noon, stick around. Sergio Novoa brings you My Limited View. Talking about all things from his perspective. Then, on Thursdays, from 8 to 10... It's time for Beyond Your Comprehension with Clem. Exciting new shows here at Mutiny Radio. Also, the IC podcast. That's the Imprint City podcast coming soon. MutinyRadio.fm. New shows. You can have one, too. Contact director at MutinyRadio.fm to find out more details. And check us out at mutinyradio.fm.
5: This is precious. Perfect.
6: Hi, everyone. This is Sima Lieberman. Inclusionist with Everyday Conversations on Race for Everyday People, where we bring people together from different backgrounds to have conversations about race and bring race to the people. If you want to find out more about us, please go to www.raceconvo, convo like conversation, Today, I am excited. I always love having great guests, and today, my great guest is an old friend of mine named Precious Stroud. Precious is the founder of the Black Woman Project and PJS Consulting.
5: I'm going to let Precious tell you a little bit about herself. So, Precious. Let's intro you to everybody. Hi Sima, thanks for having me this morning.
7: Uh, Precious Stroud, um, founder of the Black Female Project, that's blackfemaleproject.org, and PJS Consultants. On PJS Consultants, we focus on narrative change and storytelling in the marketing and communications world, mostly for organizations that are focused on community, wellness, and good, and the biggest platform that we do that work with is Black Female Project so
5: I look forward to the conversation today. Hey Precious would you just describe yourself to everybody since they can't see you and for those of you who can't see me but if you don't
6: know me I'm Sima Lieberman my brand is the inclusionist I am a white Jewish woman and I am a baby boomer and I'm from the
5: Bronx and I live in Berkeley but I'm still from the Bronx. A Gen X black woman Um, Born and raised in Berkeley, California. Wow. So precious. Mm -hmm. Um, Why do you
7: think it's important for us to talk about race and why? I think it's important to talk about race because everything is racialized. So if I lived in a place where people didn't consider race in their everyday experience and um, much like classism, access to resource, access to opportunities wasn't influenced by race, then I wouldn't need to talk about it. But from my
5: perspective, um, race impacts my life, so I need to talk about it. So tell me why race impacts your life. Tell me how race impacts your life Well, now and before. Okay, so now and before. Well, the context, the
7: historical context of kind of the country and society we live in has the implications so if you take a group of people and you tell them hey you are going well, you're gonna work for free based on your race and there you be in addition to that like let me be real about like torture um, you know all of the things that Africans experience once they came here um, those who work came, to work for free and to be enslaved, the impact of that still is the, not residual, even the real impact of that, it affects how the society was set up and what rules were in place and who was able to have what access to either land or, uh, or even basic services. If someone believes that another person is inferior based on the color of their skin, then that means that um, I, you don't see me as successful. So if you don't see me as successful, it's really hard for you to promote me. And you might say, one might say, well, you know what, that wasn't me, I didn't do it. Well, unfortunately, somebody told you something and stuff was passed along and we see all these images that reinforce certain hierarchies and it continues to be that along, um, uh, the difference in class for black people isn't the differentiator in terms of lifespan expectancy? Whereas with some races, depending on your cl- social economic class, you live longer. That isn't necessarily the case for Black people, and if when it is, it still isn't that what you would expect of a what we call first world country because of the stress of dealing with racism and other isms along the way.
6: Yes, race, uh, racism definitely is a health crisis in the United States. Um, I want to ask you a question when was the first I know you were raised in Berkeley? Mm-hmm. When was the first time that you either
5: interacted with somebody different than you or when you first became aware of race? Well, I mean that is the gift of
7: where we live that is so diverse. That I can remember as early as first and second grade, like my friends were Rumi Sandu and Sabina Peterson, Korean American and Indian American, and we were friends. That was just that was those were just happened to be my friends in class. It didn't mean I didn't have other friends because of course we were in a very uh, mixed race school, and that was by design. I think Berkeley did some things with the way that they um, broke out their. Districts, so or broke up the district in a way that made made an effort to ensure that public schools were diverse as they could be.
6: Well, what was your first? Experience, you remember what your first experience
5: was with racism? Hmm,
7: hmm,
5: hmm, hmm. So the thing about this is interesting because I hear people aware of. Yeah, no, I totally hear you because.
7: Um, Okay, so answering the question directly, it's very, very early because, of course, we get taught how to, as much as possible, deal with it. So it's not even something that I, that I remember, oh, that woman didn't speak to me one day. No, 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 you know, people didn't want to sit next to my little sister at Marine World and um, uh, a park where, you know, you see marine life and my mom was like, you guys have to understand her experience is different because of her skin tone. Because my mother and my father are brown, like a medium tone color. Um, I came out much lighter, and my baby sister came out much darker than them, and so um, my mother wanted to make sure I understood that she was gonna have a different experience based on the color of her skin, and we had to be aware of that and look out for her throughout our life. So it was very early. I remember going on road trips with my parents, and you know that deep exhale that happens for a child when you see someone maybe hispanic or latino oh, okay we'll be okay at this restaurant um okay well we don't want to stop in this state right like we'll drive through this one and being very cognizant of that like people talk about road trips i am not okay with that um, i know you know everybody do what you want and do what you love and live your life but i'm not going cross-country uh no
6: well what do you think right now about what's going on in the country overall around race and the messages that we're getting?
7: Well, you can't um you can't hide something forever. So, it's gonna show up and it's showing up in a big way. Um I think the what I've heard is people saying, well, um, it's the blowback from Obama. Well, it was there already. Um, all of us who are living in these experiences and conscious of it understand that that it's a, it's a really ugly truth that nobody wants to talk about. The other thing is this notion of um, sweep it under the rug as if uh, the institution of Jim Crow and slavery didn't exist and that was so long ago. It wasn't that long ago. My great-grandmother, My great-great-grandmother was first generation, born free. My mother knew her. My sisters, you know, were babies when she was alive. That's not that far removed, which means the coping skills that she learned were passed on to my great-grandmother, who was alive until I was in high school. Oh, wow. So So you knew her? Oh, yeah. Yeah wow oh, yes my junior year of high school she passed away and she was living with us at the time so those coping skills that they learned they passed along so i have to now be responsible for unlearning some of that stuff that was for survival because now i'm supposed to have a different opportunity what were some of those things um well you know i have a deep sense of work ethic and and, and that's good but i also feel like if i don't work i'm gonna die yeah like, a like, I work to the point where my head will keep going, but my body really shouldn't. And so I'm trying to break that cycle and where it doesn't feel like so intense around this is linked to me being safe rather than just having the lifestyle that I, I want to enjoy and I've earned based on my credentials and the other things that I've worked so hard for. Does that answer your question? So when
6: you say being safe, do you mean... Say more about that in terms of race.
7: Yeah, so the work of um, Joy DeGruy around post-traumatic slave syndrome talks a lot about those, um, I won't be as eloquent as she is, but basically they're learned behaviors that we pass down for survival's sake. So if it wasn't okay to say something, right, you can't talk back, God forbid that, because there could be the punishment of death. Um, people were raped Um, It was just part of the culture. Like that was the norm, even though I'm not saying it was accepted because, of course, there was much more revolt than Nat Turner. If not, we wouldn't be here today. So there's always been resistance. But I do know that there are people who had to survive through those times and there were coping skills like I'm not talking back, making white people feel comfortable. The one thing I learned, I was reading uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' Oh, I can't remember the name of the book right now. But the one he wrote kind of like a a letter to his son. Yeah. I was reading the book. I was on vacation. And I had no idea. What came up for me was I really know how to take care of white women. Like I can do that really well in a way that makes me safe. I mean, in a way of
6: making them
5: comfortable. Yes. In a way of making them comfortable with you. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that's something I'm, I'm also letting go of because i have to find
7: myself in all of that. Like there's all the stuff on top of who i am that was put on for survival or even just to navigate successfully in certain environments. We hear the term code switching a lot and we i was with an executive and he didn't even know what the
5: term meant and he worked in Um, high school education reform. He was a white guy? It was, yes. Well, I can see why he wouldn't know Mm. that term because I run into a lot
6: of people that that don't know that term because, first of all, you have to be interested. Mm. You have to be interested you want to know what other people go through. And if you're not interested, you're not going to know. A lot of times people say, well, you know, I I hear a lot of my friends say, well, white people should know or by now they should know. And I said, you know, there's a should and an is. Mm. And you can't make an assumption that people are interested. You can't make an assumption that if there's an article about black people, that people are going to read it because a lot of white people, and not only white people, you know. so I'm not disparaging any particular <laughs> group, but I'm just saying this is like a little more common. And that other people, if, if, it's, if it's not related to my group, I'm not going to be bothered with it. And then when they do something like, oh my God, I didn't know. Well, you didn't care. Either
8: mm-hmm.
6: you know, it wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't in your reality. And um, I mean, the reality is, if we're in this country and we care, we need to make things in our reality. So, you started your business, and you started Black Girl Pro, Black Woman Project, Black Female Project, A Young Girl. What is Black Girls
5: Code? That's some,
6: that's another mm-hmm. program.
5: Kimberly Bryant. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. Good. <laughs> So, could you talk a little bit about that program and some of the messages that you're trying to impart around not feeling like you have to take care of
5: people who are different than you, but so that you can actually be yourself? Sure. So, w- I found myself kind of whispering
7: in, at happy hours in the corner about what was going on at work and we'd get together me and and I'd do it with various groups of girlfriends. Hey, you know what herbs are you taking to manage your stress, you know, and everything revolved around stress at work. And then I started hearing um things like Well, I can't say that. You know, like feeling censored, like I couldn't talk about what was true. So for me, Black Female Project, number one is about truth telling and affirmation. I need to be able to tell the truth about my experience and really about what I've observed in the workplace. Because when I can tell the truth, then I can heal from it. And then I can have a sense of uh, liberation from those thoughts and behaviors that had been holding me back from even saying or telling the truth in the first place. So an example would be, I can't tell my boss how I really feel and what just happened in that meeting because I might lose my job, they'll write me off as the angry black woman, Um, They don't like me when I talk anyway. They don't respect female leadership. So I'm navigating all the time. And this was the pressure that I kept feeling and thinking, wait, if my parents, right, in Berkeley, California, educators, I'm creative, uh, kept us around lots of, you know, I wouldn't say super Afrocentric, but certainly African conscious in terms of black is great. Like black is beautiful. It was the 70s. Everybody was feeling really good about making a shift and then to get into a a certain level in my professional realm and not be able to well I had been trained along the way of course right what my place was so when I started feeling like my body started to reject what was going on because I was trying to be honest and um navigate with integrity and all these
5: strategies were used against me. And there are certain strategies. People have experiences. I don't want to be too vague. So, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I was going to ask, if you could be, if you could, without mentioning, I probably
6: don't want to mention who the organization um, was, no, I won't. but if you could just tell, because I know if there's a lot of people listening that probably can relate. Well, here's and there's a, a lot of people listening who want to know. So any tell us, give us a couple of examples.
7: Sure. Um, you're not meeting expectations. Um, you're you you're not meeting expectations. You oversold yourself in the interview. Huh. You really aren't doing this right. Well, what exactly are you looking for? Well, um, you should know that already. Well, there there are certain terms. I guess they're kind of like um, codes too. That this they what happens is, so I start. In this situation, I was told, hey, you know, like, what what are you bringing to the table? Well, you interviewed me. You hired me. We're about six weeks in. What exactly are you talking about? Like, what do you need to see right now? Well, you're not really, you know, what are you bringing to the table? What have you accomplished? So I start sharing, you know things in the plans moving forward. But what happened was there were never any expectations established that connected to an organizational strategy. So as I begin to start throwing darts at your moving target that every time you tell me, now I'm feeling unsettled. So now I'm feeling and questioning my own ability to be successful because you're questioning my ability to be successful. And then add on the layer of in meetings, no one has the same cultural expression that I do. Because, of course, I because was a black woman brought in to diversify the organization didn't know that at the time, mm. would have preferred for me to be a nice token and not try to do any work, really, just kind of do what we say and be quiet over there, because our board and community said we had to diversify since we serve kids of color across the state, you know, maybe somebody should who looks like that should be on the executive well in the director level so Um, What happened is the isolation I felt because I was working so hard to try and please, then I started self-isolating from family and friends because the work was so intense. And that's a pattern that we've noticed in Black Female Project is number one, people being told they can't, they're not meeting expectations, being organized out either by there's no more funding or hey, we had a really creative, one woman she said I was pushed out, they moved me into a fellowship, like because I was too vocal. Um, very creative ways of not having to deal with something that's different than what you're used to. And the fact that this, it may sound rudimentary, but it is, I don't see you as successful. Therefore, in my mind, even though you are doing things that would lead anyone else doing what you're doing would be considered a peer. For some reason, you just, just doesn't, it's not right. There's something about you that's just not meeting our our expectations and no, no, no. You know, you're not going to be paid the same as everyone else. You're not going to be paid access- the same as everybody no else. Way. No way. No way. No. I was when I was negotiating my transition, um, and I said, I think what you need to do is eliminate my position until you can figure out what you want to do with this area of work. Um, the whole demeanor changed, and I was asked, "Well, how are you going to take care of yourself?" What? How are you going to take care of yourself? They want them to know how you were going to take care of yourself? Because, of course, if if he's not going to take care of me, how am I going to make it? Oh, got
6: it. I was going to say, you could say, well, uh, with that <laughs> half a million dollar settlement that you're going to give
7: me. By the way, regarding that, so I talked to a couple of lawyers about the situation, and this is what the the classic one I love so much, that I would encourage people to... Um, You know, if you have an opportunity or something's not right, say something about it or document it in some way. There was no HR department, it was a nonprofit organization. There was no way to, that I thought, to report, although there are places in the state. They said, look, there's no documentation that you ever complained. You never wrote a letter to the board. You never said anything was wrong. This is really, really, really unfortunate. It's Hmm. an awful situation and it happens every day.
6: Yeah, it happens every day that so you never complained. Well, you know, one of the issues that I, I found like in my work with different organizations, uh, especially dealing and, and with people of, of color, that a lot of times I'm saying a lot, I mean this has happened en- enough times with clients that I've seen this, that you'll have somebody maybe there'll be maybe one or two African Americans in the organization. And people are a little bit intimidated, uncomfortable, awkward about what to say. So they kind of don't say anything. And then it's time for maybe initial, uh, initial review. And they don't really, really review you because they're really uncomfortable. And they don't really want to tell you that something needs improvement because then they're afraid of being called racist or whatever, or they just don't know how to say it. So they smile on your face and then at the end of the year you get a notice and the notice says that you're fired. And and this has happened with enough of my clients of color, particularly black clients, particularly actually women, but men too, Mm. that at the end they say, well, nobody said anything to me. My reviews always said I was doing fine. Nothing specific, but they always said that I was doing fine and then all of a sudden I'm fired. And... They said, if I would have known that something needed improvement from the very beginning, I could have worked on it. But what happens, and when when I've talked to some of these people who, not always, but oftentimes are white, I said, well, how come you didn't give them any type of criticism or constructive criticism? Well, I would have, but I didn't want to be accused of being racist. Oh, so you just waited, and then you just fired them. Okay. So then it becomes, well... Let's really mainly hire people who look like us because I don't want to be uncomfortable, and it's so much easier to tell somebody who looks like me that they're making a mistake because they won't accuse me of anything.
5: Does that sound so um, Seen that one? so
7: I before so black female project is celebrates black women who yeah, thrive at work yeah. celebrating black women who thrive at work and preparing young black women for the realities of the workplace so how do black women navigate structural racism and sexism and continue to move through leadership roles and have thriving careers? What we asked people to do. Initially, I was going to share my story and I said, well, we we have to do more than mine if it's going to be useful. And so, I asked some friends of mine and everybody was first the first thing people say is I don't really have a story to tell. And about six weeks later, they're like, I think there's something I could share. And then at the three-month mark, they're ready to write. And the, the, we did a year of writing and workshopping. And that the, we ask people to, they have to relive all these experiences that they've tried to bury or get behind them. That is very difficult. It was the hardest thing I had done since my father passed away to uncover all of those stories and get it into a narrative that might be actually useful or helpful to someone else. And we know when girls come in contact with the curriculum in that format, personal narrative, they won't get it all. But when something happens to them, they have a name for it now. And they'll remember that story. And the goal was to ask women, so this was happening, like for me, this was, I was sitting at my desk and the screen went blurry. And I was like, um, so I'm, I can't really see. Um, it had gotten to the point where I started suffering with migraines, and you know how sometimes there's form of migraines yeah, that... Yeah, ocular. Yeah, so the nurse working there, I mean, there was a nurse on site, a retired nurse, and she said, you know, maybe you should go home if you can't see and i'm like no 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 i have to. the thought that the thought that i needed to do something rather than take yeah. care of myself is a sign that there was something very wrong but um, what i was getting at was black female project so um, women had to tell these stories so we then asked them well, what did you have stop and think about that moment how did you feel what happened to your body what kind of support system did you have in place to get through that so we know autoimmune diseases show up a lot we know hair loss shows up a lot And um, when women are able to, we had one contributor who said, look, I don't care what you do with my story, I just need to tell it and let it go. So just being able to document it is freeing for the women. We thought we were doing something for the girls coming behind us and it turned out to be a healing project for us as well. Wow, how many women? Um, So um, we have personal narratives of about 15. Well, maybe twenty, including yeah. the anonymous ones. Um, the first nine were released in 2018, so the inaugural collection is available for download on the website at www.blackfemaleproject.org, and then we have a podcast at um, on SoundCloud to collect other women's stories. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then we've done live events. We had a conversation series in New York City, Washington, D.C., and Oakland, and then we also have live events from time to time in the Bay Area.
6: Wow. Mm -hmm. And you started
7: this? Almost five years ago. I mean, this was your child. Yes. Yes. So women, you were asking about how many women. So we looked at this also as a research project. So during those live events and during our conversations, we've been collecting data all this time. And... The number one thing people enjoy is just sitting in a room where they can tell, see people who look like them, whether they speak or not, and feel affirmed. Wow. I'm, first
6: of all, I'm just really amazed. And when you started it, i am mean, got to ask, you, did you start it all by yourself? And what was the first thing that you did in order to
5: start it? And who did you talk to to, to get it going? So the first thing I did was look for something like this. Because I just wanted a resource to understand what was
7: going on with me. If my parents had prepared me well and I was doing, this this is what we tell girls, uh, black girls in particular, work really hard, do what you're supposed to do, go to college and you'll be fine. And then somebody pulls a rug up from under you and you had no idea that there are some strategies that have been tested and they're tried and they work really well to make people unsettled at work. And there's certain things that work really well for black women
5: like
6: what
7: like like telling me that i haven't met expectations well you know what i meet expectations everywhere i go so what exactly are you talking about like this is problematic for me because i work so hard And most of us, you know, you got to have a certain level of intellect to get into certain places and be able to, you know, we're sensing motivations and we're analyzing situations. Of course, this is the thing that this is maybe you can help me with this. Um, I, I believe implicit bias exists. However... If I have to analyze everyone around me and it's on me for, my, for me to be useful in any situation, to try and have a basic understanding of the person sitting next to me, I then am infuriated at the thought that I, someone else can write it off as, well, it was just implicit bias, I didn't know. And of course, I'm not, you know, I understand, I've seen some of the science, yes, I'm getting there, but that rubs me the wrong way, because I think it's, a, it's helping people be comfortable talking about it, when it really goes back to what you said before, I didn't have to care, so I just didn't do it. I didn't have to care that you were gonna show up different than me, I didn't have to care that um, when I perceived you as angry, it could have been something else. Right, so when, when the um, old boss says to me, well, you seem really angry, and I'm saying to him, well, how are you defining that? And the the, ju- the woman from Long Island, who's sitting across from both of us, gets rolls back in her chair like, oh, this is about to be real good. Let me relax and watch. <laughs> because of course, I'm not angry. I'm very impassioned about what I'm talking about. You're uncomfortable because passion in your sphere looks different, and women may or may not you know the feistiness of um a small framed woman who you don't who you feel like you have control over versus a different type of woman showing up and taking up space there's something that rises up for you I don't have to like totally understand all the reasons why but you don't get to call me angry and some people are like yeah call me angry whatever but for me that's too easy like, what else do you have? Like, let's, can we, if you're going to analyze me, let's talk about why you use that word and my name in the same sentence. So um, being able to have that conversation isn't always a possible. It isn't. And your point, I saw a lot in the research. You asked me, how do we start the project? Or how did I start the project? So I started doing research and asking people and looking for this kind of work. And a lot of it exists What I wasn't, and I think there's more going on in college campuses and research departments but that's really hard to get in to find until you either go there or get a contact. So I was looking for black female experiences detailed around work experience. There is a seminal work, Our Separate Ways, which studies the first group of women who came into corporate and it looks at black women and white women and tells their stories and they have a lot of data with that project. It was very helpful as we started. So I started, I asked a few people to write stories with mine so that we could then ask a bigger group to write stories and submit. The women who were writing, two of them approached me on separate occasions and asked for a time to meet the other women who were submitting. I thought we'd meet a few times while they were writing, and that would be it for the live events. And here we are four years later, still convening women in conversations and now partnering with other organizations like... um, um, NCNW, Nash. NCNW. You'll have to look that up because I cannot remember right now all of the acronym. Um, black Teacher Project. We will have our fourth annual conversation with them in um, for Women's History Month. We have a format where the women, Black women in the center, have a conversation, much like what we do when it's Black women closed door only. Other people can come and observe. Anyone but we give the women an opportunity to step out. There's no Q and A. We do a small workshop with the people who are observing so they can process what they've heard, but we protect those women at all costs. So what we've learned over the last couple of years testing this out and modifying it when people ask us, can you modify here or there? What we learned is that that is still not safe for women might be a black man who speaks up and is uncomfortable because he's looking for a solution. And we're just trying to talk about the reality of what happened. We're trying to be safe and say out loud that this happened to us at work. Well, you should have done this and that. See, our format was right. Let's keep that circle closed. You have the privilege to observe.
6: So if there's any young black women listening to this podcast, Mm -hmm. and we have all kinds of people who listen to this podcast, Mm -hmm would you suggest would you suggest that that they that they contact you
7: sure i mean yes and check out black female project also listen to the podcast we've had people write to us about the podcast saying this affirmed me so much i knew i wasn't alone but even preparing for girls start navigating In school, like school age girls are figuring out, you know what, I get treated differently. The work of African American female excellence at the Oakland Unified School District, more and more is going to come out of that department. But they have documented and are talking about the sexual harassment um, and the kicking girls out of class and what's happening with black girls. At, at, and they're being treated differently than other girls in these, the school. We start understanding that very early. My focus is on the workplace because that's where I was living at the time and that's what I needed to address. So for young girls, number one, you're not alone. You woke up brilliant. You're gonna be brilliant no, no matter what level. I see a lot of junior practitioners too because I love to, you know, part of, I am came from educators, I love to teach in my area focus. So So don't let people tell you or give you some weird vibe that you're not a director or you're not a this or that and therefore your value is less. Every single person in the organization is needed for the organization to be functional. If you were not there, there would be a problem. Something would be missing. Understand you woke up brilliant no matter what anybody says and believe that. That's something I didn't do. I let myself be defined by other people. The other thing is see yourself through your own eyes. And what I mean by that is, as we've um, facilitated conversations and also um, our leadership team, I'll mention uh, Fern Stroud, my sister, um, Che Abram, um, gifted, gifted speaker and diversity specialist in higher ed, as well as um, members of our advisory board have, as we facilitate conversations uh, over the last four years have, the one thing that comes up a, there's never enough time. People are like, all of our evaluations, can it be longer? Can it be longer? Um, can we meet more often? The other thing, the reason why is because um, women need to, how can I say this? You are, you are fine the way you are. See yourself through your own eyes. Women will get up at all ages. It's fascinating. And they talk about themselves through the lens of their bosses, through the lens of their, um, you know, their partners or boyfriends, through the lens of all these other people, but they don't see themselves. So we have mirrors that we got, and we, on the back of it says Black Female Project, and we say, if you want to see power and beauty, turn it over whenever you need to. And they turn it over, and they see themselves in the reflection, and women of all ages flip out because you have to see yourself for yourself. And next year, we really wanna tackle this question of how do I now, now that I'm aware of what's going on and I'm kinda paying attention, you can live above all the stuff to maintain the status quo, the strategies used against people. You know, a lot of women of color show up in the workplace and have similar outcomes. We come from different places, but it is similar outcomes, you know, being disregarded, being hypersexualized, black women being asked to dance at work events. I'm being touched inappropriately. All of this, um, you know, backing out from under of of after installing some IT stuff and being told, yeah, that's where I like women on the, you know, on their knees and no repercussion. Yeah. Um,
6: So. And also and 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 unfortunately, the environment in our country is not is getting less and less supportive, it's It's more of a so what? You know I want to take a break for a second and then I, I want to come back and I want to start talking about I want to talk about the angry black woman. and also in situations like yours, responses that 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 women can give. So I just want to tell people this is Sima Lieberman, the inclusionist listening to Everyday Conversations on Race with Everyday People. And for everyday people, if you want to know more, go to www.raceconvo.com. And we are recording this session at Mutiny Radio. You can go to mutinyradio.fm to listen to my podcast and other podcasts. And if you are looking for a place to record your podcast or do a recording I highly recommend coming down to mutinyradio.com, dot, mutinyradio.fm and talking to Pam. Okay. Back to you, Precious Stroud, where we're talking Thanks. to Precious Stroud, and that we're happens. talking about her project, the Black Women's Project, and about being a black female entrepreneur and some of the issues in the workplace. I want to talk about the whole idea of the angry black woman and because you were talking about showing some passion or emotion and then being told that you were angry is this something that is
7: common in the workplace why sima yes it is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, well, there's the whole narrative that gets played out on most of the media channels. I mean, if you want to see black, I, I, I wonder if I Googled black women, what might show, you know, I should do that and see how many positive versus what we consider negative images would show up. But, um, in the culture right now, or at least pop culture, it's interesting though, because we have like black women rock and, um, You know, black women thrive and black women leading, and all of these things that have emerged through social media and other positive avenues, and black women gathering in groups all over the country. We kind of got in this groove. It was obviously happening, it was happening. We were in the tide at the time. So, yeah, you were asking um, angry black woman. Does it happen? Yes, it happens. Why does it happen? Because that's easier than talking to me. You can just label me. Um, Also, we've all been bought into these narratives. That's what I'm that's where I was going um, is that next year. What we want to do is start thinking about how do we and forgive the term. I got to find another one. Deconstruct the internalized racism and the internalized sexism. If we can start doing that, then we see ourselves more clearly when the images show up, we aren't as influenced. And I know this is work that'll be generational work. And at the same time, I mean, we're moving in that direction as a, as a culture and as a people for sure like yes okay now we're calling out when we started this work and writing down white supremacy or writing down like power dominant power structure those terms when we thought was so radical in the stories and now they're on the tv all the time institutional racism is uh affecting hispanic women at this rate you're hearing all these statistics and all these numbers um Shell sandberg's work around um they're putting out some new um reports that are interesting you know love or hate leaning in as black women say we've been leaning in a long time and then i heard of interesting i don't know who this gentleman was i heard him on the radio the other week talking about so we tell women lean in we're not changing the system we just tell them lean in and then we don't do anything different so if you're gonna change something it has to change with people so as we heal ourselves then change is made. I have believed that if I show up differently, you'll treat me differently. I might show up differently and you might not treat me differently, but I see myself as more valued. And so I'm gonna move on. If you can't shift and we can't, we're not aligned in culture and maybe that's part of what's leading to these numbers of independent, you know, you were talking about female entrepreneurs and black female entrepreneurs being the highest number uh, as the highest growth the population that's growing the fastest in the entrepreneurship track. It certainly worked for me.
6: Well, on our show, a a couple of shows ago, our mutual friend and colleague, Charmaine McClary, who's African American, and, and the subject was African Americans in the executive suite, and she talked about the importance of creating your own narrative. And she said, because if you don't define yourself someone else will, and the definition will really be inadequate. One thing that she said when she was first coming up, and she thought that there was oftentimes bias, she would say, she planted in people's mind, are you willing to see me in a different way? Are you willing to see me as successful or as a vice president or wherever she wanted to go? Because what I've seen too, and and I think this is what you're talking about, or at least, I, I, and in your writing, that a problem or an issue is that there's that stereotype of not only there's the angry black woman stereotype, there's the angry black man stereotype. So that if you're passionate or show emotions, and not even that much of an emotion, all of a sudden people start freaking out. Mm-hmm. So could you address could you could you address that? I mean, I heard people somebody say out. that. Yeah, I heard somebody say that about Michelle Obama. They said, "Did you see her face? She looked so angry." I said, "Did she say anything?" She didn't have to. Like,
5: okay, you know, I mean, that was crazy. So that so now um, you, and racist, yeah. You want so
7: say something about it? What I would say is. I can't be who you want me to be through your lens if you're not willing to look at it through a broader lens. So, if the only thing you see is a white how white women behave. I love this quote from Donald Sterling, who formerly owned the Clippers. Everybody keeps on quoting him on my show. Look, Go ahead. He said, "Why can't you, something like why can't you be delicate? You're supposed to be a delicate white Latina woman." Well, what what the- what's the opposite of that like what are you trying to say like so now you're saying that black women are aggressive without saying it it is the it is our our societal narrative i appreciated that episode i did get a chance to listen to it and it was very very inspiring and um if you haven't listened to it definitely check it out um i was told that there's certain there's a big swath of our of the population that is conflict averse like and I was watching Downtown Abbey or whatever, and I was like, "Yeah, I can get how you know they don't go running into conflict or whatever as a cultural norm." But um, it I think we just bought into it. So um, there it's not just about anger; it's about you. He he talked about her face, but also because it's like
6: right? what people see as angry when nobody's angry.
7: Nobody's angry.
6: I mean, I'm i not saying nobody's angry. No, I, I saying, hear you. But it's the way that it's read into,
7: oh, you're just being angry. But it's so that to me is the shortcut. And it is what people say. What it is, is I'm uncomfortable because you're showing emotion. Um, there's some sort of probably historical context where you being angry might lead to some danger for me. So let me, uh, you know, I feel really unsafe right now, um, and that anger has been discredited as valid, even though it's not anger. That beh- that that label or that expression has been labeled as invalid, and it doesn't. That feeling doesn't deserve any recognition. You're dehumanizing me by saying that what's happening right now is angry, because that's not what you mean. What you mean is that I don't, I have no value to you, and that. Um, you want to push off this feeling you have of being uncomfortable so much that um, you don't want me to feel validated in my own experience. Because guess what, it's gonna be different from yours. So I might be super impassioned about something. I used to sit in these meetings with these gentlemen I was working with and they'd literally sit there and not move. And I'm like, what? My hands are going. And of course, so then now I'm not as professional. I'm not as qualified because my body language is a little is more. I'm living like for real out loud. A. I'm just different from you but because you believe what you do because that's what you've been told your whole life and that's what we see on tv and that's what's reinforced in media is that this is what professional and leadership looks like well guess what Oh, even the designer who worked on our logo initially um he gave me this really angular thing i love him 510 media is awesome and we can have these conversations he was such a believer in the project so he says um precious, I want you to be taking, see those pink flowers? I want you to be taken seriously. And I'm like, those pink flowers, like, are gifts. Like, they came, they're strong. Like, they came out of the earth. Like, are you saying, because women are like, they're round and there's like soft edges and this thing is really angular and awkward and there's no definition. Well, I want you to be respected. Because, of course, the masculine lens is what's respected. So, if I'm perceived as emotional, right? Cuz they'll call a woman yeah. emotional in a heartbeat. So for black women, just replace emotional with angry because I just have an emotion, you're uncomfortable with it and therefore that's the shortcut. Also, the body language, um you know, look, if you're watching TV all the time and that's the only experience you have with black women, you know what? Everything I do is going to be perceived as angry because Um, that's the way the movies are cut that's the way that that's what sells so if you could get out of your head a little bit and okay so with some humility um, if if you can be open enough to believe that someone has a different experience of yours that's valid in the world and not a threat to you then you can heal from whatever you're dealing with and stop calling people out of their names right like stop labeling me
6: I, I think it's complicated, too. I'm not complicated. It's, it's, I mean, it's simple, but I mean, it's like complex or many-sided. I, I have think, no you know, degree in, in go, no, cause psychology. No, I was going to say, I think that there's like, if you look at, attitudes get passed down, right? Racist, racist attitudes get passed down. So, so slavery, women are supposed to, black women are supposed to be docile, right? They're owned by these white people. So then when black women start speaking up for themselves... All of a sudden, hey, wait a minute. You're not docile anymore. I don't own you anymore. You're angry. Or then there's the other piece of Well, how do we express anger? Well, first, maybe we shouldn't be angry. And then second of all, you should express anger by saying, "Oh, maybe I feel a little angry, but you don't act angry, you know. And I think that's like um how traditional, and again, I'm not disparaging anybody, but I'm talking about a cultural norm, that oftentimes traditional white society is like that. I mean, I know just my own experience as a Jewish woman from the Bronx. Well, people in New York tend to be more loud anywhere. Come on, there's like 9 million people. We lived in a building of like 500 people or something like that. If you wanted to be heard, you got to had to be loud. And I brought some people over to my house, I, li- I had lived in Eugene, Oregon, and I brought some Oregonians to my house in the Bronx, and they're all like, "Why well, everybody's yelling at each other. Mm. And my sister said, no, we're just talking. But I know, and so for, for, for black people, people start, a lot of white people, or people maybe who, who don't have that same type of, of feeling, or what they think is, 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 is how you're supposed to express yourself, will see it as, that's wrong you're wrong. You're wrong to express yourself that way.
0: Mm
6: -hmm. You're wrong to move your hands because if you move your hands, oh, you're going to hit me? I mean, that's that... It's irrational. And when you have these people who are in control of you at work, how do you deal with
5: it? Well... Without having to take
7: care of people... So, just going back just real quickly about this notion of what a woman is, what femininity looks like. It's also important to remember that black women were never seen were not seen as feminine. Like Thanks. I did, my womanhood, I wasn't allowed to be a woman. So you could take do whatever um abuse, um take full advantage and then if I don't get to exercise femininity, which is the most natural thing yeah like and in, with this hormone. well with this hormonal mix i have yeah. right like um what the definition of femininity even as described as just being if if femininity were kind open and vulnerable black women were not perceived that way they were perceived as as property and so if that's the case um i'll just put it this way like for me that was that was the most damaging thing is you can you can say um yes okay you're you're inhuman that's all awful and then you strip me of the thing that seems to be the most natural for me so now i i can't even be feminine like that that wasn't that was the damage was the damage was deep so in terms of like today how do we deal how do you deal people are coping left and right you know people make jokes all the time like yeah I got my work hat on whatever like when I get out of here these people or they'll say stuff like these people think I'm their friends for real like for real for real that is just because I can't even be myself so how how do you who are you having a relationship with really and because I can't be myself you don't even get to see my best and right. when I'm bringing my talent, uh, Janelle Monae has a, a, a lyric in the song, I think it's Americans. And it says, I wonder if, oh, I'm not it perfect, but I, you see, you're blinded by my color. You can't even see my vision because you can't see my greatness at work because you're blinded by your own um, perceptions of what blackness is. So, A, number one, people express themselves differently. This is probably not new for most of your listeners, but people live out loud. Like they live differently than what we see on TV and what we have, what we've been told is the norm. And we've heard this term again, the Eurocentric lens of blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? People, um, I have worked in and around education for a while, and um, when some of the teachers would send out, all the teachers had to go do site visits at their home visits, right? And the teachers would come back and go, oh my God, they had pictures on the mantle just like we do. Oh my God, like, they are kind of like, just like us, like, they are families. yeah.
6: I and mean, and that's one reason yeah. so why I'm having this show too so that people could see and make some connections. You know, I do a lot. Of, I'm a consultant in diversity and inclusion and, and culture and I was doing a I was wor- working in a multicultural team for a large tech company. And one of the issues was that black people were reaching a certain level in the organization and then they were leaving. And the most senior people were white. And they wanted to know what can they do to change what was going on, and during the and we, we were together with these people for three days. It was pretty amazing because people really talked, and one of the black women said to the to the president. She said, "My husband and I, her husband, worked for the company too. We have invited you over countless times. You've never come," she said what do you think black people do in their house? She said, I'm on the board of a theater company. I go to the ballet. and I mean, whatever it was that she was doing. And she said, I've heard you talk about these things. So why you have never shown up to anything that we've, that we've given? Why is that? And this particular group, mostly white guys, not all, but not, they were willing to look, that's why they did they, they were willing to give up three days and a lot of money, which is why they said, oh, wow, you know, I, I hadn't thought about that. So they hadn't even thought about it. And then afterwards, they, and then it came up about well, why are you always so angry? That came up. And then there was a whole big discussion about that. And afterwards, the guy said, wow, I've learned so much, I'll never, I'll never use that stereotype again. And you could say, oh, well, why did they have to do it in the first place? But the reality is we want people to change. We've got to deal with where people are at. So it's what can we do to help make people change? And it seems to me, too, when I was listening to you and, and reading your story, that when somebody says you're not meeting our expectations, it's really important to say, what are those expectations? Or this is what you said when I first came in, and here's what I've done. So I think a word of advice to people would be: document, document your successes, document what you're doing. And if they say, "Why are you so angry?" to ask them, "What does that mean? Why are you saying that?" You know, I think that people have to be called on because a lot of times I think, uh, after hearing you talk and another, another colleagues and friends of mine that are, that are women of color, is that oftentimes people start internalizing those messages, so they act like it's so. They have to like act like they have to defend themselves. When in reality, let's you know put it back on them asking why. So what would you, and I know that you have said that uh, in your experience too, where you were the only black woman, you had white people who said, oh, I wish I, I wanted to support you or they were wrong, but they didn't do anything. So what would you suggest to people?
7: I would suggest... Just like at the airport, if you see something, say something. So what I mean by that is, and this is hard for me, I have to say, because my work is all about black women and creating a space where black women are affirmed. I know my gift. I know that the stories, this is the thing, read the stories, hear the women's voices, listen to the podcast, hear in their own words, how they are experiencing some of these same things that you're experiencing and how they're articulating it in a space where they can tell the truth about what they think, feel and do that will broaden your perspective and it won't be with someone else sitting in the room. Like process it, listen to it a couple times, read the stories. Um, you know we have a lot of things in the stories about colleagues and friends who love us, who still buy into some of these stereotypes and um, misnomers about like telling us it's not real you know people are real quick to like, say that didn't happen that wasn't because you were black oh they didn't mean anything by it they didn't mean anything by that stop being so sensitive um you know i have a black boyfriend whatever you know so um the, this thing this notion so i did work with a, a colleague who said you know i feel really bad about what's happening and you know i was told not to talk to you until they resolved it Oh, so um you know that just burns a little bit but he said, you know you're letting him off the hook by not by not staying and fighting because I was gonna leave for my own this is where I was having migraines like I was leaving for my own health and well-being and he was like, you're letting him off the hook you've been watching this way before I got here you've watched it with other uh, people of color you've watched it with women. Um, but he's this is what he said. It's not it wasn't my experience. So I don't think I can say anything. Guess what? You're the one who's in the room when they're talking trash. You're one of the ones who by sitting there doing nothing. This is what it's in the news now. This is what all of the um, people who are white are as- asking of their their like peers is you have an obligation Saying silence is, what do they call it? like Yes, yes, come on. You don't have to live the experience. If a kid is being hurt, I don't have to be a kid right now to understand the kid is being hurt. And um, that kid doesn't have the up. Now, I hate to use that analogy just because we're all adults here. But if something is happening, you don't just like what you were saying about, you know, have that conversation. Do, people are so stressed and so. So I'm dealing with everything. I'm dealing with everything at work. I go to get a sandwich, right? It's a fancy new sandwich place in Berkeley. The woman helps the couple in front of me, walks away to go do something, sees me, comes back and helps the woman behind me starts talking to her so i'm just standing there cuz i can't fight you right now cuz you had no home training around <laughs> how to do customer service or whatever but more than that this notion of invisibility yeah i didn't matter enough i'm in line so finally she notices i'm there and what happens the owner of the facility comes up to complain to to get some nurturing because some other thing happened. And again, just disregard, disregarded, disregarded. So now I'm supposed to come back to work when you call me angry and, um, you know, say, hey, you know, what would it take for us to move past this? And it's asking a lot. Yes, people have to do it in some cases. And in some cases, that's exactly what people do. They get real quiet and then you get a two week notice and they're out of there.
6: Yeah. And I want to say too that when this guy says to you, you're, letting them get away with it. And, yeah. and, and you know, and that's like his word of support. No, he's letting them get that's away right. with it. That's right. Thank he's you He's letting them so get away with it. And for everybody who's listening, with, if you're a man and you're dealing with something happening to women, white people, something happening to, to a black person, a black person, something happening to a, a Latino person, if they are the only one in that place, or only even two or whatever, I mean, you should be standing up anyway. But you have to realize—I mean, you don't have to realize anything. But I mean, but we would hope that we would like you to understand. I don't know why i, sh- I don't know if I, if I should be saying this. But but I mean, but, but the fact is that you can't expect that one black person, that one black woman, to be the the the, the standard bearer and have to deal. With all the assumptions and biases, well, you just stand there and you go after it. Oh, uh, uh Oh, I'm so sorry. Because that person, maybe they want to keep their job. That person, maybe they're so stressed they don't even know what to say at that moment. And if you really care, you have to see that that's impacting the whole work environment. If it impacts the whole work environment, you have to see that it's happening to you. So you need to say something. Not only do you need to say something, you need to talk to other people and get other people to say something. I mean, I you know I, I don't want to go off on this. You know, I'm trying to talk to you. It's not about about me. But I, I just felt like you mm-hmm. know. I, but I but you know I I need to say this because I can't always wait for you know I'm white so. I have, a, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm white and I feel like I have a responsibility if I care today so that I could change today and also maybe change tomorrow
7: people also I've heard I've presented once in this college and they were like black people just need to say stuff like they should just let people know how they feel black people need to stand up more because then this wouldn't happen and I'm like are you for real like it's wonderful that you believe that if I say something number one depending on the environment well yes you yeah and and I do agree we there are opportunities but just saying and saying yeah so he said you're letting him off the hook i said so you you think it's better i said so i'm not staying in a place where i'm disrespected um every day looked at as um you know not shouldn't even be here talked about poorly like all of these things and so he's i said you you do know this is about race gender race like this is a race issue and he dropped his head the first time he took me to lunch ever, but it, whatever, dropped his head and said, I know. He had subordinate, well, forgive the terminology, but he had people who he worked with who reported to him who were dealing with, maybe not the same, but oppressive conditions that were, it was oppressive. This is the other thing is I don't think people understand what it's like to be manipulated in that, well, people do, but um, to be not manipulated people. in this way where they were literally bleeding People and appealing to their good nature in this nonprofit. If you believed in that our mission, in
6: nonprofits, that happens in if nonprofits. If you
7: believed in this mission, you stay this extra thing. You do this extra thing. Now, I did tell you that you look like Medusa the other day, and went away laughing because your locks were curled that day, and um, thought it was so funny. I came back the next day and said it again so then this young woman comes crying in my office like this happened i don't know what to do you know he's he sits on the diversity and inclusion committee you know so i i talked to him who's supposedly my peer although i think he was being paid three times what i was being paid anyway that's a relevant side note so um i said hey did you say this thing well you know it was just no did you say this thing i said you sit I mean, just make, let me be clear, you're the chair of this committee, right? And so they, he didn't care. He apologized, he didn't care. Um, he felt a little bit bad, but he didn't care that he, why would any woman want to be referred to out of her name at all, but as Medusa? Now layer that with a work environment where this is someone who's like two or three levels above you, so you feel like you have no power yeah. to approach them. They win. They don't even have to apologize. The only reason you are is because you know somebody else saw you because she mentioned it. It is, uh, and then she comes back the next day and works her full day again and then comes back the next day. And what else are you doing? And what else are you assuming? Another executive told her, um, hey, you don't know your place because everyone loved her so much and kept coming and started going to her for answers. And um, mm, yeah, this person felt like irrelevant ish, and felt like so, it was
6: being usurped.
7: Exactly, exactly. And here you have a young, eager, like talented, trainable person who's gonna—you can see her blossoming. Like, are you gonna invest in that? There's no investment in the talent um, because of, unfortunately, like you really do lose the opportunity for greatness in your organization when these things happen so to him this gentleman who did nothing and watched like I don't know how long he was there he might still be there I don't know like five years of women and people of color we had um a young gentleman working with us and I we were told hey maybe you need to like um let him go he's not he doesn't talk much excuse me because he's not like you Asian Pacific Islander, super talented gentlemen, um dealing with all the stereotypes that go along with masculinity and what masculinity her perceptions of masculinity around um, Asian Pacific Islander men and I mean, brill, like s- talented beyond measure. I was like, you are out of your mind if you think this young talent is going anywhere. And what is that based on? Cause he didn't come and do the niceties yeah seriously are you open enough for him can he walk down the hall that way without getting glared at so people um i and again so my work has been focused on black women and making sure they have a space um i that's my focus that's where my heart is that's where the work is we've created these stories for black women Turns out other people are using them and learning from them as well, which is great. But there are people that are in the project and who advise the project whose work is around cross-cultural, cross-race conversations. That um, is not something... I do necessarily very well, I would say. Um, And it's not an area, actually, that I plan to develop in. I want to grow deeper in this area around um, black women and black families and supporting what we need to do for our healing so we can move on.
6: Well, I think that you're doing some great work. I'm looking at the time. And Precious, I could talk to you forever because there's things we haven't even talked about yet. I hope that you're going to come back. You have to promise that you will come back again. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Good. Come back here to, to muniradio.fm in San Francisco, where we're recording this podcast. I want to thank you so much, and I want to ask, before, we, before I close, any last-minute words that you would like to tell people, or maybe some words of, of advice for young black women, and how do people reach you for the Black Women's Project, and also one last thing about your work, your consulting business.
8: Mm-hmm.
6: If you'd like. So I'll leave it up to you.
7: You can contact Black Female Project at blackfemaleproject.org. Um If you're interested in volunteering, you can write to volunteer at org. at different events Um, in the winter. We'll have, next year is our fifth year, so we will have a ton of events coming up. We're really excited to celebrate in a really big way. And if you're interested in just telling your story, we would love for you to join us on our podcast next year. We're planning for our second season. Um, I'd say for young women and for young professionals, Definitely um, affirm yourself and others. That's really important. Like be in a, find a community, create a community where you're valued and you feel valued and seen. Understand, make the investment in understanding how structural inequalities work and how they show up in work environments. It's not something that, you know, just virtually, like it just doesn't appear. We have to do the study and understand it listening to podcasts like this where you get insight um is a really useful tool and you said one more thing oh pjs consultants yeah so this is really cool i'm in a fellowship this year with the campaign for black male achievement it's called the it's an american express leadership academy at the campaign for black male achievement because of the work that we're doing um in the Black Male Achievement field with asset-based storytelling or positive narrative storytelling, um, mostly what we focus on is helping people tell their stories. But we do that through an asset frame. So um, we have one client who came to us and said, hey, my development director said that Um, She keeps selling us as a coding group and playing into all those narratives around, um, oh, my God, if we don't help these boys, they'll never have a job. And he, he said she's just not getting it. And she advised him. She said, you know, you need to invest in telling your story in a different way and then you can rehire a development director. So they made a transition and brought us in. And, you know, we did a rebranding project, but also worked a lot around messaging. How do you um, write these messages in a way so that people get the point, but also there's respect for the humans who are at the center of this work? And so um, that's what we do really well. We enjoy that work. Again, the kind of showcase of that work is Black Female Project. And we have worked with in public service. The best way to contact us, you can always write to um, precious at blackfemaleproject.org
5: or look us up at pjsconsultants.net. Okay, thank you so much. This is Sima Lieberman, the inclusionist
6: with Everyday Conversations on Race for Everyday People. If you like what you heard today, Please share this podcast with friends, colleagues, anybody that you've ever met in the whole world. Let's grow our audience. Let's get more people listening to us. And if you would like to hear more, please go to www.raceconvo.com. And listen to more episodes. Download more episodes if you have iTunes. Download it from iTunes or anywhere else you want to download it from. If you really, really, really like us and you want to see us continue because we're running this podcast on donations and it costs money for editing, renting space, we would ask you to please go to www.raceconvo.com and leave a donation. No matter how, leave us. You could leave a, a donation no matter how small or. A large donation is good too. And if you want to hear more and would like some support with your work in your work and would like to have a speaker come in or a facilitator or a consultant, come contact me, Sima at Sima Sima, Simma at SimmaLieberman.com. That's Simma, S-I-M-M-A, at SimmaLieberman.com. Or hit me up on Twitter. So this is Simma Lieberman, the inclusionist, signing off. Everyday conversations on race for everyday people. Until next time.
1: All right, since you aren't necessarily ready to go into the next thing, I I prepped something. This is Michelle Obama uh, talking about how she is not an angry black woman, uh, as per your uh, previous conversation. So if you want to hit on that, and then you, you have to bring up the submixer three and also submixer on the board. Yeah, so bring that on up. Just slam them on up and press play. Nope, nope, submixer. There you go. All right and you have to press play on the on the computer box it's not it's it's a real mouse it's an old school mouse cool. to your side and right you here? press yep and press the play button on the iTunes they are on, there, on the corner, there's a little no, not iTunes, I meant on the YouTube that's right there. YouTube's already up. It's sitting there. There's a picture of Barack. It's on oh, a YouTube, oh, 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 and you okay, press play. Okay. There you Michelle
9: go. Michelle Obama knows there's a stereotype that has shadowed her, but she says it's not true. I
10: guess it's more interesting to imagine this conflicted situation here, and a strong woman, and a, you know, but that's been an image that people have tried to paint of me since you know, the day yeah. Barack announced that I'm some angry black woman. The First Lady sat
9: down with Gail King on the CBS Morning Show to discuss a new book by New York Times reporter Jody Cantor. It describes tensions within the administration and the First Family. Cantor writes that then Chief of Staff Rahm Emanuel saw the President's dejection and repeated the First Lady's criticisms to others in the White House with an air of indignation. Asked about it, the First Lady said there wasn't tension between her and Emanuel.
10: Rahm and I have never had a crossword. He's a funny guy. You've never had a crossword? We have never had a crossword. I mean, I don't have conversations with my husband's staff. I I don't go to the meetings. I don't have, our staffs work together really well. Mm -hmm. Um, So if there's communication that needs to happen, it happens between staffs.
9: Another rift, this one between Mrs. Obama and former press secretary Robert Gibbs. It was reported in the news that Mrs. Obama told the French first lady that living in the White House was Mrs. Obama denied that conversation ever happened, and she was upset with Gibbs for not pushing harder to correct the record. Quote, she felt neglected by him. He felt criticized by her. It reached a boiling point in a high-level staff meeting that included White House senior advisor Valerie Jarrett. Gibbs exploded in anger. F this. That's not right. I've been killing myself on this. Where's this coming from? You shouldn't talk that way, Jared said, sounding unruffled. Gibbs, you don't know what the F you're talking about, he hurled back. "Jared, the First Lady would not believe you're speaking this way. Then F her too, Gibbs reportedly said, and stormed out. Mrs. Obama brushed
10: it off. Barbara Gibbs is a trusted advisor. He's been a a good friend and remains so. And I'm I'm sure that we could go day to day and find the things people wish they didn't say to each other or said. People stumble, people make mistakes.
9: In the book, Michelle Obama is described as a warm, welcoming first lady who buoyed the president's spirits rather than deflating him. The first lady acknowledges there a learning curve growing into the job but one she fully embraced
10: i love this job it it is it has been a privilege from from day one now there are challenges with being a mother and trying to keep your kids sane and i worry a lot about that Mm -hmm. i mean if there's any anxiety that i feel it's because i want to make sure that my girls come out of this on the other end whole
9: after the book was released, Robert Gibbs issued an apology saying that he regrets speaking in anger and he regrets the disagreement became so public. Lisa Sylvester, CNN, Washington.
4: And I say that we're like eagles Oh yes, oh yes You say we've got no right No right, no right And I say we've got to fight we We'll say, judge up Hypocrites say, God, I'm tell it to the judge. Oh, yes, no. Hypocrites say, don't you hold the grudge. Hypocrites say, why can't we get along? Hypocrites say, it's all your
8: fault.
4: We're we'll burn them down like this, say hey. Watch out the puzzle pits Watch out for, for fry, the people crits For the fried food to scream on the of tits, you know? We're gonna burn them out like this Oblifes, Hey Tell me who's gonna raise your babies Raise your baby And who's gonna plant dry corn Plant dry corn now For The meek inherit the earth John knows. So who cares where you were born Watch it now, just Hey, what's that? Hypocrites say Tell it to the judge Hypocrites say Don't you hold the grudge Hypocrites say Why can't we get along? Hypocrites say The body, the you this is the land from sea to shining sea But of hypocrisy Get us to, to the populace Who got to us so are so fraudulent Everyone alert, these are easy So why them they so don't forget What's your you say Turn into the, drug, Rage, it now. the, the, in the say, vibration Taking it higher the to the people the people, people. Say, One world, one nation, one vibration we get along? Get along, get along.
8: It's all
4: your fault. Upload my song, a nice song. Hey, shout it back down. Yeah, keep it positive. One love.
1: 25 shows in five days. 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th, 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual, and we hope you apply from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now through November 30th. Go to our website www.mutinyradio.fm for more details.
11: Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer is simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2 the title says it all classic vinyl albums with no apologies great stuff you can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on apple itunes what a deal authentic real san francisco love that's what keeps our ship afloat
12: billy Bob, you ever want to be funny well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever wanna be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons Oh, shit! From time to time, I've been giving it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two people's paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop, Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m.s at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo!
13: Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are you on a raft without a patter? Radio.fm has the best programming the internet ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat.
0: <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com.
10: to Me Me Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
8: With, the life flourish. find that common thread.
1: music DJ, vinyl enthusiast, that is flat black plastic. My friends out at Mutiny Radio, Chester Cashcock here giving you my love and regards as well as Mufi's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash. I can't help but listen to Pam Tastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pam Tastic's deep in the mission where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for is <laughs> in duty this. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. The laugh off your tushy save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. <laughs> How exciting for you, Mutiny Radio listeners! There are six new shows here at Mutinyradio.fn. Monday nights at 10 o'clock, it's time for free phone sex, 415-550-0511, yes, call in for free phone sex, you will be recorded, it is a podcast, but will that phone sex be free? Absolutely. 10 a.m., Mondays, it's time for Everyday Conversations on Race with Everyday People, with Sima Lieberman, Everyday People, talking about race every week different everyday people talking about race on Tuesdays 10 o'clock it's spiritual psychology with Renee McKenna meditate it'll heal ya then at noon stick around Sergio Novoa brings you my limited view talking about all things from his perspective then on Thursdays from 8 to 10 It's time for Beyond Your Comprehension with Clem. Exciting new shows here at Mutiny Radio. Also the IC podcast. That's the Imprint City podcast coming soon. Mutinyradio.fm. New shows. You can have one too. Contact director at mutinyradio.fm to find out more details. And check us out at newradio.fm. From whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from, apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, for more details.
11: The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all, classic vinyl albums with no apologies, great stuff! You can listen in live to these fine programs on MutinyRadio.fm or download the podcasts at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal! Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat.
12: Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be...
0: Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com
10: Everybody should listen to Muni Radio at mutinyradio.fm It's a great place to listen to crazy things. With, 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 with,
8: with, 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 diamond key with, with, life with, We with,
1: Vinyl. Records. Round. Played. Mixed. All for you every Saturday, from noon to two, by Scott Hu. Amazing artist. Music DJ. Vinyl enthusiast. That is Flat Black Black. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your and Save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. (laughs) How exciting for you, Mutiny Radio listener. There are six new shows here at MutinyRadio.fm. Monday nights at 10 o'clock. It's time for free phone sex. 415-550-0511. Yes. Call in for free phone sex. You will be recorded. It is a podcast, but will that phone sex be free? Absolutely. 10 a.m. Mondays. It's time for Everyday Conversations on Race with Everyday People with Sima Lieberman. Everyday people talking about race every week. Different everyday people talking about race. On Tuesdays, 10 o'clock, it's Spiritual Psychology with Renee McKenna. Meditate. It'll heal ya. Then, at noon, stick around. Sergio Novoa brings you My Limited View, talking about all things from his perspective. Then... On Thursdays from 8 to 10, it's time for Beyond Your Comprehension with Clem. Exciting new shows here at Mutiny Radio. Also, the IC podcast. That's the Imprint City podcast coming soon. Mutinyradio.fm. New shows, you can have one too contact director at mutinyradio.fm. To find out more details, check us out at mutinyradio.fm.
12: I never met Rob. You haven't met Rob? I've met Rob a few times, man. Really? Good. Dude, Rob rocks. Rob right. fucking rules, dude. And his band kicks ass, too. Badass. Yes. Good man, Rob. We should give her a call next week. Do a phone interview. But, like, sneak attack phone interview.
10: <laughs> sneak that's attack. Can,
12: that's what you can start doing. We might be on the air. We might not. Hey. <laughs> sneak attack. <laughs> I'm standing outside your bedroom right now. Are you inside? You can do crank calls. You're, you're so oh anxious. so to touch the phone. (laughs) Try to find Gail's number. (laughs) Wouldn't that be the best? Reverse it on her? Uh, Maybe not. Oh, thanks. Radio Silas. That's (laughs) That's my partner. (laughs) (laughs) You brought it on yourself. Oh, no. That was a a funny thing. You used to it by now. I'm working the room here, and you're just a a tough room. How about low-down barbecue? How about them? (laughs) 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 Give them a call if they're still a number. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i think that's about it george's steve productions he's george stevens and i'm steven st george and this has been our show Hey, y'all hold my beer hey
8: Whoa! Oh.